up to Luke chapter 18 as we work our way through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Again, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get you one. It's always good to go through and read it together, be it in your your paper Bible there or on your device. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying there was a certain city and there was a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me for my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard men, yet Because this widow troubles me, and it's continually troubled me, I will avenge her, lest by her continually coming she weary me. And then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though though he bears long with him? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, the Son of Man comes. When he does come, will he really find faith on the earth? Let's pray. Lord, today as we look into this topic of prayer, and Lord, for your your soon return, that, Father, our hearts in the day in which we live in would not grow weary. Lord, we ask for a fresh filling of your spirit. We thank you for those, Lord, able to watch us over the internet and, Lord, over the radio. And, Lord, we pray for this nation. and We pray that we would seek your face. We would humble ourselves, Lord, as we will see with the publican. And so, Lord, spend time with us once again. We love you. And we ask, Lord, for a for your spirit to just give us wisdom and understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. In order to understand this section of Scripture, we have to go back because, again, context is everything. Because you look at a section like this and you go, I don't get it. Anyone else look at it and go, "Uh, what is he trying to say? Is God like the judge? No. Everybody got that? God is not like the judge, as we will see. But he's making a point from the last chapter. So let's turn back to chapter 17. We'll get a running start. Remember, no chapter breaks in the original text. And yes, it's a big section that we're going to read, but it will flow into the next. Verse 24. I'm sorry, verse 22. Then the days will come when you will desire to see the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. And they will say, look here or look there. Do not go after them or follow them. For as the lightning flashes out of one part of heaven, shines to the other part of heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man that they ate and they drank, they married wives and they were given into marriage until that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought and they sold, they planted and they built. But on that day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so it will be, in that day when the Son of Man is revealed. And in that day he who was on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down and take them away. And likewise the one that's in the field, let him not return back. Remember Lot's wife. For whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that, in, the, in that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two will be grinding together, the other will be taken and one left. Two will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. And they answered and said to him, Where, Lord? And so he said unto them, Wherever the body is, the eagle will be gathered together. And as we saw that last week, very clear, wasn't it? 
What was that last portion about? Now, from last week, again, if you missed it, you can listen to it, watch it on YouTube or on our podcast. Uh, Jesus is speaking about the end time right before his second coming. Remember, church, we weren't talking about the rapture of the church. We were talking about his second coming. That's after the tribulation period. And how we look at those days of Noah and Lot and what they look like right before the second return of Jesus. So in that context, that is what he gives us for verse 1. The context of us as a church not being there at all. Don't worry about that. You won't be here. If you have accepted Christ now today, when you hear the trumpet blast, we'll be gone and amen. And we won't go through that period of time, but the Jewish nation will and other people will go through that time. And he is speaking to that group of people, the Jewish nation. And he says to them, listen, During that time, when all hell is breaking loose on planet earth, don't lose what? Verse 1, heart. Don't lose heart. Why? (laughs) Because he is going to come again. So let's pick this up. He spoke a parable to them and said, men, and, and when the Bible says men, of course, it's mankind, men and women always ought to pray and not lose heart. One thing I want to make a mention of before we dive into this is that this section, this parable, is not to be a comparison. This isn't a comparison between the judge and and our father. It is a contrast, everybody got that, between the judge and the father. In fact, Jesus makes us so, well, (laughs) hopefully, You're clear about this parable because he tells us right in the beginning, which is we ought to pray and not lose heart. And as as we work our way through this parable, he's going to show what if an unjust judge would do something on planet earth. Can you imagine what our heavenly father will do? So it's a contrast between the two. It is not a comparison. Amen? Have a good day. That was it. Why go any further than I think sometimes we're like full after uh, seven minutes of the intro. You're like, okay, that's it. Where are the donuts and coffee? Now, notice with me, he says that men always ought to pray. Man is created with a spiritual instinct. He, he has this desire to worship something. He has a desire to to commune with something. So that's why the enemy brings everything it can to distract us from worshiping and praying unto God. How many of you have ever been distracted praying? You know what's going to happen tomorrow? About like 6 o'clock, something's going to happen. Push through the pain and show up at 6.30. I encourage you to do that. I really do. Don't go, well, you know, the boss was, ah, I'm hungry. I'm, yeah, just come. Be faithful to be here and pray for our nation and for our leaders. Do you know that the prayer time at churches are the least attended? Why is that? And Jesus talks about prayer. And uh, Let's read again. That mankind, men and women, always ought to pray and not lose heart. You see, it's easy to lose heart in the day in which we are living in, let alone in contact in contents to the, the day in which they will be living in in that tribulation period. It's easy for them to be discouraged. And I mean discouraged because think about this. The Jewish nation is going to see this Antichrist. They won't know him as Antichrist. He doesn't have a bad, hello, I'm Antichrist. I'm here to destroy the world. He's going to be a leader that is Wells problems. And they are going to be deceived, and they're pouring all of their hope into this one man that's going to rise up. Then think about this. At the three-and-a-half-year period, he's going to walk into the temple and claim to be God. Then the Jews will know that they killed their Messiah 2,000 years before. Now, don't you think that's going to be a bummer? Don't you think they're going to lose heart? We just built a temple, and now Satan himself is in the temple. God has revealed it to our hearts that we blew it. 
I'm going to lose heart. And Jesus said, don't do that. Pray. So, there is a need for mankind to be connected with with his creator. There is a need for us to do that. And as we pray, we tend to, maybe this has happened for you, the more you pray, the less it is about you and the more it is about God. Again, prayer is not my list of wants to God. Let's rub the genie and get what I want. It is aligning his will with my will. And the longer I do that, the longer I submit to him, the less likely it's going to be about my list and it will be about his will on planet Earth. Again, those obstacles come all of the time. You you hear a message like this. This is what's going to happen. You hear a message like this, you're like, I'm going to do it. Tomorrow, I'm going to start praying more. Or I'm going to start reading my Bible more. And then what happens tomorrow? Life, because life is daily. And something happens, the phone rings, this happens, a peaceful riot takes place. It's like government intelligence, right? Microsoft works. You'll get that on the way home. Something happens, and it takes your focus of what you were going to do. There's always obstacles in our life, and the key to it is to push through. Because we need to connect with our Creator. Jesus, every morning, connected with his father. He got his marching orders every morning. He knew what he was going to do that day. <laughs> Wouldn't you love to have those, hear those conversations between the father and the son? It's like, wait till you see what we're doing today. Oh yeah, what are we going to do? We're going to feed 15,000 people on a, on a little schoolboy's lunch. Oh, that's awesome. We're going to cast out demons today. And then we're going to say, woe to you, Pharisees and scribes. Yes. (laughs) Again, it's aligning our will with God's will. So this parable of the praying woman teaches us that men ought not to, uh, that men and women should pray and not lose heart. Again, not lose heart. It is very easy to become discouraged in the time in which they were living in and the time in which they will live in during that tribulation period. But think about the time in which we are living. I mean, 2020 has been, been pretty easy. I mean, what's going on? It's real easy to lose heart, to get on the bandwagon of fear which the enemy loves to use, fear. And there are so many passages in the Bible. Just do this at home. Go home and just look at the times where God says, do not fear. You'll be amazed how many times God says, don't be afraid. I am with you. And again, I I say this a lot, but listen, even if we die, we win. You graduate you move. I was listening to Pastor Chuck yesterday, and he, he gave his famous, uh, if you ever hear that I die, and the news reports that I die, he said, don't believe them. He said, I just moved. Amen. We don't die. We just move. And so it's very easy to live in this time in which we are living in. There is so much uncertainty in this world People don't understand what's going on. It's a wonderful time to share with family and friends. They look at you, you're smiling at work when all hell is breaking loose, and they go, what's up with you? Oh, I don't fear death. Let me tell you about a carpenter named Jesus. He was the son of God. And so it's real easy to be distracted in the time in which we live in. We can be discouraged and then slack off in our prayer time. It's real easy to lose heart in prayer when we are not always convinced of the reality of the power of prayer sometimes. 
Too often, prayer becomes the last resort instead of the first response. Oftentimes, it's the, well, I guess we'll pray. And that's so bad to do. It should be the first thing that we should be doing. Oh, I don't want to go down this path today. But if the church had just stopped and prayed and say, Lord, would you please put a stop to the enemy and what the enemy is trying to do and put down that the enemy is trying to keep uh, the church from meeting together? If the church got together as one voice, what would things look like? I would encourage you to please be praying for Calvary Chapel now of San Jose, California, which is in Santa Clara County. Uh, they and another church are being sued by this, the county of Santa Clara by an unelected health official. Did I say that? Unelected health official. And now currently their fines are $350,000 because they're meeting together like you and I. <sighs> Woo! Anyone else losing heart? Don't, but pray. Pray for them. The pastor's name is Mike McClure. I know him. Uh, his father is Don McClure, is one of the uh, kind of first elders that Pastor Chuck had, uh, pastors on staff. Uh, very godly family, loves the Lord. It's a big, huge church there in uh, San Jose, California. And the enemy just doesn't want them to meet. And if you read the articles, it's just sad. Uh, they, they portray the church as some, some, some organization that's trying to harm people. And all they want to do is do what we're doing right now, which is meet. So please don't ever take for granted that we're meeting together as the body of Christ. And it's hard for me to believe that. It is and it's not. I mean, Matt and I were talking about it. It's like, well, it is California. But it never used to be like that. California used to be a conservative state, have conservative values. What happened? Well, the church stopped going to the voting booth. California and the church has one of the worst records for voting. So what do you expect that's going to happen? God has given us the ability to vote in this nation, and California is reaping the consequences of inaction of the church. Sorry, but I pray that that will not happen here. Don't California, my South Carolina, amen, or don't New York, my South Carolina, and New Jersey, and oh, the list goes on. Where's Ohio? Oh, she's not in here today. I'll do that second service. So we have this parable of not losing heart. I mean, really, we don't have to read the rest to get the gist of the parable, which is in verse 1. But we'll go through it again because we want to get to a tax collector because that's just fun. Now, there was a widow in that city. I'm sorry, I skipped verse 2. There was a certain city, and he had a certain judge, notice, who did not fear God nor regard men. This is a hypothetical that a judge would be ungodly right? An unrighteous. Just hypothetically think about that. (laughs) Now, there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me for my adversary. Now, (laughs) he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, though I do not fear God uh, nor regard men, yet because of this widow troubles me, I will avenge her lest by her continually coming she wearies me. And then the Lord said, hear what the unjust said to her, to, uh, uh, about this situation. What's interesting to me is the widow, uh, as she is persistent in that, and the language that Jesus uses, it is every time the widow comes to her, uh, comes to the judge, she throws a punch at him in, in a figurative word, and it bruises him. It, it, it stuns him. You ever, ha- you ever seen that where a boxer gets stunned, and it's like, oh, he has to come? That's the imagery. Every time she comes, she lays one on him. And I'm like, I, I have to pray inside my heart, Lord, Lord I want to do that. But I can't 
I need to pray for the officials. The Bible commands us to pray for the officials. Do we do that on a daily basis? Do you pray? Do you know who they are? And so the Lord now gives us the the parable here, and he says, Hear what the unjust judge said. The woman had to overcome the judge's reluctance to help. Guys, oftentimes we feel that we must do the same thing when we pray. Have you felt this way? That we must overcome God's reluctance by our own persistence? But that's not what Jesus is telling us. Remember, it's a contrast. It's not a comparison between the two. It's different. We don't have to change God's mind. We have to have our mind changed. That's what prayer does. God doesn't change. You're not going to bug him enough like a kid wanting a cookie. Any parent out there? A kid bugs you for like 35 days straight. Then you give in to him at the end. God doesn't give in to us like that. The reason why we continue to pray is so that we stop wanting our will and wanting God's will. He continues and he says, And shall God not avenge his own elect? Now that specifically is talking about last week's study in the tribulation period. You got that? He will avenge those that went through that time. He will take care of his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them. He says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. That means when it happens, it will go quickly. And that's interesting because in Matthew 24, that's exactly what Jesus said. He said, if it had not been for the elect saint or those days had not been shortened, there would be no flesh left. So when it happens, it will happen very quickly. He says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, notice this question, will he really find faith on the earth during that time? This is not talking about us. This is talking about them during that time. Again, this ties Jesus' whole message from last week's message. Unless we know who God is, he is not like, again, the unjust judge. And unless we are people who pray without losing heart, we don't have the kind of faith that Jesus is looking for in the end like he describes here. Don't get bogged down in the parable because Jesus told us in the beginning what it was about. The simple message today is don't lose heart in 2020 and uh, November 3rd. We want you to do what God has allowed this nation to do solely other than uh, the other nations around the world. Um, I'm on a pastor's thread, and this morning, Pastor Lloyd Pulley put a really nice uh, message out to the pastors to encourage their churches uh, to tell their congregations to vote. I'm like, you don't have to tell me. The first time I've ever said the statement, Matt, are you ready? I said, today and telling people that they have this God-given authority to go out and to vote, not for a man, but for a platform. It's all about a platform. It's not about the man. Stop thinking. We don't live in that time of Eisenhower, of even JFK, or of Abraham Lincoln. We don't have those days anymore. We have platforms that you vote, and it is simply voting for life. Hopefully, our billboard work will change, but we have a billboard out on 501 uh, that we use for WXMB 101.5, and I hopefully on tomorrow, it'll be changed, and it simply just says 101.5, vote for life. Uh, nothing else, vote for the platform that is going to protect the innocence, um, and it, it is simply as, as simple as that. All right, verse 9. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves. <laughs> I know that's no one here in the room. More second service. That they would be righteous and despise others. Again, this connection between those who trust in themselves, that they would be righteous, and those who despise others is almost inevitable in people's lives. 
Therefore, we must be careful that we too do not become Pharisees as Jesus is speaking. It is very easy to become religious. Amen? It's very easy to become religious. Amen? You get saved for a while, you're like, well, I'm doing pretty good. Gotcha. See how easy it is? We forget who we are. We forget where we've come from. And Jesus gives us this wonderful view of two different people, the tax collector and the religious leader. Again, we, start, we, we tend to give ourselves credit for the great spiritual walk that we have with God. It's, it's an easy thing then to despise the low and the carnal people who just got saved or come in. Oh, they don't know as much. It's real easy to become a Pharisee. And if you're like me, you're a built-in Pharisee. You love lists. Oh, I did that for God. Oh, I did that for God. And that's what the religious leaders had become. They, they wanted to just have this great check-off list and, you know, I'll, I'll do that. I'll tie this. I'll do this. I'll have this robe. I'll have this hat. I'll, I'll look all good. In fact, I'm going to fast twice a week when the law didn't even say to do that. It's adding two. So two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector, or you might have a publican or a Republican or a Democrat. You add whatever flavor you want in there. So we have two people going up. Let's see these two people. Pharisees, again, these were the religious leaders of the day. These were the the hyper-conservative side. Then you had the Sadducees who were the the hyper-liberal side, and there was kind of flavors in between that. But the Pharisees were the legalist. They were the ones that were were claiming that you could divorce your wife for any reason. (laughs) If she burnt the, the breakfast or the dinner, you could divorce her. They were really strict about that. They wouldn't they wouldn't want to bump into any Gentile as they walked down the road. I mean, they, these cats were crazy, let alone the two times a week of fasting when God had not called them. These guys were the Jesus and people inside of the church. They added to the Bible. Whatever, If God said one law, let's make 600. And that's what they did. Now, on the other side, you got a publican, a tax collector. Now, this is a Jew who has become a revenue earner for the Roman Empire. He is the most despised. Next to a leper, you don't get any lower than this. Now, to become a tax collector, you put in a bid. It's like putting an eBay bid in. You bid for a region. Matthew bid for the region in and around Capernaum in the Galilee region. He won that. And the Romans said, okay, listen, this is the amount we expect from you per year. Whatever he could get in and above that was all his. There was so much corruption. Zacchaeus, remember Zacchaeus in the tree? He too, his area was down in the Jericho region. And they were despised of the Jews because they thought that they were collaborating with the Romans. So that's why Matthew was so hated of the day. And I believe that's why it was so easy for Matthew to see the good news of Jesus Christ and to accept that because Matthew being a Levite, he saw the corruption in the temple and he said, man, if money is all that it's about, well, I'll just get mine and I'll become a tax collector. So we've got the religious person, And then we've got the tax collector. Let's take a look at it. Now, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself. (laughs) Now, please note with me the Pharisee's uh, prayer and how many eyes there are in this prayer. Because as a religious person, it's all about me and what I am doing. God, I thank you that I am like, I'm not like other men, extortioners unjust, adulterers, and, <laughs> and even, you can imagine he points right to him, and even to that tax collector. I fast twice a week. Let me pause. That's not in the law. I've added that. 
and it was added by them. I give tithes of all that, notice, I possess, not what God has given me, but what I have done. And then the tax collector, notice, standing afar off. So when this religious leader is praying, I mean, he's pointing to that tax collector way over there in the court. So the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. So we have the contrast here between the religious leader and this tax collector. Please note with me again how many eyes uh, is in this. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even this tax collector, for I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I possess. The, the religious person maybe at some point had a genuine genuine walk with God, but at some point started to deviate from that walk and started to say, look how I am, look at what I do. That's why Jesus said, please don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And when you go in to pray, do it in secret. And when you pray, don't use vain repetition like the heathen do. Don't and, and I don't mean to offend anybody today, and I really don't. Normally, I wouldn't care. You, there are organizations that have a prayer bead, and they pray that. That's vain repetition. It doesn't mean anything. Jesus says don't do that. In fact, if you look at the great prayers in the Bible, they're short. They're not long. I love short prayers. Anyone else at a prayer meeting love short prayers? Tomorrow night at 6.30 right here. Loud enough so people can hear you and say amen. Guys, we think that, and Jesus even says that, he, he says they think that they will be heard by their great swelling words, that they use the King James when they pray. It's not what it's about. It's not the outward. And it's real easy to see this religious person and his demonstration for all to see. In fact, Jesus gives another illustration when they're in the temple about a a religious leader coming in and giving his tithes. And they would have these giant urns inside of the temple and they would put their money inside of those urns. And the rich people would come in or the religious leaders and have a trumpet or blow a trumpet before they put the money in, so everyone would turn and say, wow, that guy's given. That's why we don't pass the plate. Maybe if you've ever asked that here. We don't talk about money here at Calvary Chapel, Myrtle Beach. I love it when someone comes up after a couple of weeks of coming to Calvary and go, how do we give? I love that. Because that means we are not making money the issue here at Calvary Chapel, Myrtle Beach. It's about your heart. And if you are having the heart to give to God, you'll figure it out. In fact, just so you know, we've got boxes here. We've got online giving. There are all kinds of ways to give. And we encourage you to do that which God has called you, us, the bride of Christ, to do. It's important, very important. But in this day, they made the focus about that. No, no show of hands. How many of you went to a church that passed the plate? And again, I'm not necessarily saying that passing the plate is wrong, but how many of you have experienced some guy pulling out the wad and it was a little higher than normal? <laughs> Preach on, pastor, and putting it in. Or you've gone to a service where the pastor had you come up. You just lost any reward in heaven. When Jesus describes the religious leader in the temple with the trumpet, totally gone. He says, they have their reward here on planet Earth. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather 
have a hug from Jesus than a pat from man's back here. I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant from Jesus, not wow from man. And so that's the tax collector, I'm sorry, that's the religious leader. Now let's look at the tax collector. The tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven. He was in a place of humbleness where the religious leader was not humble. That's really easy to see the contrast between the two of them. So you have the tax collector who not only is humble, he doesn't even want to look to heaven, but he beats his breast and he says this, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I want you to hear what the Greek says about this because our English to Greek rarely, if ever, does it justice. The word merciful means atoning sacrifice in the Greek. Let me read it to you this way. In the full sense of what the tax collector is saying is, God, be merciful to me through your atoning sacrifice for sin. Wouldn't it be nice if we all spoke Greek? (laughs) That's a whole different section than what we just read in the English, but that's what it means. That's why Jesus is going to say he was justified when he went home. So he says that I am a sinner. Listen, you want to be right with God? Don't be religious. Be a tax collector. Well, I'm already saved. Yes, but you're still a sinner. Although a good-looking red, white, and blue sinner today. Still a sinner. Amen? When we lose the fact that we are still sinful, we slide into the place of the Pharisee. And there are those in the church that do that. And I don't want to be around them. So he says, be merciful to me, Lord. Thank you for your atonement for my life. And Jesus quickly says, I tell you that this man went down to his house justified just as he had never sinned. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The justification of the tax collector was immediate. It was done right then, Jesus said. He humbly, he didn't earn his justification He didn't have to have a a probationary period of time. He simply was justified before God, and that is the good news. When you know who you are, and you know who God is, and you say, Lord, thank you for your son's payment upon the cross, and you accept that today, right there, you get to enter into the kingdom of God. Isn't that great? No purgatory. No waiting it out. Entrance before the king. You become a son and daughter of the Most High God. That is good news. That's what the religious leader had forgotten in his life. He had forgotten where he had come from. And because in Jesus' day, they thought they were great because they were from the seed of Abraham. They would say that all the time. We're of the seed of Abraham. They were missing what God was trying to accomplish in Israel in Jesus' day. They missed Messiah right in front of them. Lastly, these verse, three verses, Jesus kind of brings it all together. And he says, Then they also brought infants to him that he might touch them, but the disciples saw it and they rebuked him. And so Jesus called to to him and said, Let the children come to me and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child doesn't mean to be childish, just as a little child, will by no means enter it. <laughs> so the disciples, oh, these guys, they, it, it just keeps getting better and better, doesn't it? Wait till we get to Peter and, and what he'll do at, the, at Caiaphas' house. But you've got the disciples. I want you to picture this. Put yourself in the scene. Jesus just gave a wonderful teaching, right? And all of a sudden, a couple of kids run up to Jesus, and they just want to be around Jesus. And then you've got the A-apostle group that are acting like a bunch of bouncers. Uh, Ma'am, you better get your kid away from the Messiah. 
Don't call us, we'll call you if you want an appointment. Can you imagine these disciples? I mean, I really, you know, I say, I, I want to see a lot of video in heaven, but who doesn't want to see the disciples saying, get your kid out of here? These are the guys that are about to transform the world with the gospel message. And they're not filled with the Holy Spirit yet. And Jesus has to rebuke them in front of everybody else. And what does he say? He said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Now he's going to tell us this, that coming to the king is like coming as a child. And a child is not threatening, is it? Have you ever been in a dark alley and seen a five-year-old and go, I got to get out of here? All right, maybe in Jersey. You're not threatened by a child. A child is innocent. They can't deceive well. Have you had a five-year-old try to hide a cookie from you? Got cr crumbs on their face. Did you eat a cookie? I didn't eat a cookie. It's just all over them. They don't, they don't deceive very well, do they? But they also intrinsically trust. It is sad, I might add. <laughs> Ooh, uh, I rhymed there for a minute. I was like Dr. Seuss for a second. Uh, it is sad that we have become a nation of we just can't, we just aren't very not trusting of people around us, of governments, of agencies that we once held in high regard. Sad, isn't it? I claim to you, it's really sad to live in the nation in 2020 when I can't even trust the FBI. I can't trust the um, foreign agencies that are supposed to do good for us. And yet, coming to God is in the place of that trusting little child because our father, not mankind, not governments here on planet Earth, but our Father is a loving Father. He wants the very best for you, even if it means you have to have time out and a spanking. As a nation, maybe. We've had that from time to time in our nation. I believe that a nation <laughs> deserves every leader that it gets in office, depending on whether you voted for them or not. I think as a people coming to God, Jesus tells us that we need to come with an innocent, not a childish heart, but a childlike heart. Coming and sitting on dad's lap. Abba. One of the great things when you go to Israel uh, with us is to hear the word Abba cried out when you're traveling around Israel. Abba, Abba. Hebrew for dad. God gives us the ability to come to him as a child, not childish, but childlike faith, knowing that that heavenly father will look out for my best interest. Can I say this today? That God is for you today? Pretty exciting, isn't it? Apparently not. <laughs> he loves you when no one else does. He wants the best for you, and he wants to spend eternity with you. He sent his only begotten son on planet Earth to die for your sins, your payment. So accept that. Get rid of this pride that we have in our life. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it, which tells me the people who are in academia and who try to think out this God of the universe, you just can't do it. At some point you must go, he is greater than me. I can't figure everything out and that's okay. Because as a kid, you don't know everything. You don't know how electricity works, but you know your dad pays for the bill and you cut the light on and the light comes on. 
You go to Disney World, you don't know what it cost your parent. Oh, my gosh, you don't have any idea. Amen. And like, uh, do you want to go to college or Disney World? That's another argument. But a kid doesn't get, he doesn't know any of that, does he? He simply knows, we're here. Woohoo! Ice cream, ride, Mickey. Uh, that's all they know. They know that that loving father brought them to that place. Jesus says, come to God with a simple heart. Jesus wants us to be childlike, not childish. An unspoiled child illustrates humility, faith, and dependence. A child has a sense of wonder that makes life exciting. Looking through the eyes of a five-year-old, grandparents, isn't that more exciting than raising your kid? The grandparent part is pretty fun, isn't it? I don't know that yet. But I hear it's pretty cool because you can get them coked up on sugar and then send them home. (sighs) Getting back the kids. Again, the only way to enter into God's kingdom is to become like a child and to be born again. He told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus said, how can I enter into my mother's womb again? No, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Again, let's go back to verse one. That men always, that men and women always ought to pray and to not lose heart. I know that we always say every election, every time it's the greatest election, it's the most important election. Eh, who's tired of hearing that? Eh, And we hear that all the time. But it simply is, for our nation, a really important time. Because if you want to go down a path of Europe, or of China, or of Russia, or any of these socialist countries, Venezuela, you can vote that. Or you can vote for the continuing liberty and freedom that we have held for over 200 years. It's really simple. You have a party of life, and you have a party of death. You have a party of law, and you have a party of lawlessness. (laughs) I don't know. Was anybody at least a little excited that Congress went out after big tech this week? Do you like the First Amendment? Do you like to be able to post something? We posted something recently on our Facebook page that was banned. And I had to re-edit the post to say to people, click underneath the button because they allow you still to get through, but you have to go through their little hoop. Do you want the information or do you want to live in a banana republic? I was watching a documentary on Idi Amin. Anybody? Ugandan, way long ago. Dictatorial powers, right? And just rampant violence, and the people didn't have rights. (laughs) Am I saying that if one party gets in, that's what it'll be? No, but it will certainly be a path towards it. Because I read an article this weekend, and I thank those, by the way, who send me articles. I don't read all of the articles you guys send me. Some of them I do. I looked at this one, and the, there is a party who is saying that was at an event, a candidate was at an event, and said that if they get into office, they will start forcing churches to accept the LGBT platform and if they don't they will shut them down they will they they are going to do everything they can to remove the first amendment religious exemption uh, from the united states they want to do that and yet we're still going to have people who believe in christ that will stay home and not vote it's a unique opportunity but i tell you do not lose heart why because it doesn't really matter one way or the other. Oh, I like to have a one way. 
But at the end of the day, I put my trust in God and what he has for us is the body of Christ. And if he chooses and if he allows us to go down a path of socialism, so be it. Then we'll go down that path together as the body of Christ. And we will suffer many things because of that. And the church will be strengthened. And God will weed out the tears, the tares from the wheat. I pray that you are strengthened today by God's message to not lose heart. It is really easy to do that in the era of COVID and the era of big government and the era of corruption and the era of everything. But I'm looking around the room and I'm seeing believers in Christ who love the Lord and love the country they live in. Because just remember, you could have been born somewhere else. And I am very thankful I was born in this land. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your provision upon the United States of America. It is not a perfect nation. It was never said to be a perfect nation. The men that founded it weren't perfect, but they were godly. Thank you, Lord, for establishing this land. And we are at that precipice to continue a land of freedom, or to have our freedoms removed. We see that from the big tech at any moment. Someone can just cancel out what your thought is, your message. And there is a movement to continue that, to silence the church. But we will not be silent. Give him strength, the legal people around him, to fight against tyranny in that state. To just allow the church to meet, it's shocking that we're asking for that today, to just simply meet as the body of Christ. So, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to vote for our civic duty. We, the people, derive from God, not from government. Thank you, Lord, for our word today. Thank you that Jesus has redeemed us. Lord, let us have the heart of the tax collector, to humbly come and thank you for eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. And Lord, that the church would meet tomorrow for prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Let's worship this last song. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Tomorrow, 6.30, as we gather together to pray for our nation. If you need prayer, the men and women will be up in the front to pray with you. Let's worship the Lord.